following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jessica. Good evening, folks. How you doing this evening? You all right? Everybody good? How many of you ladies are already shopping online? Come on, let's get honest. You're shopping online. Amazon has got your business. Lord God, to be Amazon. Wow. Wow, I thought it was just a river. It's a great place to get stuff. My wife told me, this is, this is my wife's words to me. Of course, we have 4,700 people to buy for in our family. Got her ninth grandbaby. She's two weeks old today, by the way. Happy birthday, <laughs> little Everson. She's two weeks old today. And uh, we got nine grandkids now, five girls, four boys. And it's, it's pretty good. It's just pretty good. I, I was at Mighty Fine today, our, 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 our great place to eat just about any time we get hungry is, is uh, Mighty Fine. And I was there with Cass and the girls and Jaron and his children. And, uh, and so we were there, and I, I saw this people beside me, and I didn't want them to think that I was married to Cassidy. <laughs> and that was our kids. So I turned to them, and as grandparents too, I said, "Well, these grandkids are something else, aren't they? And they said, yeah, we watched you, Grandpa. They knew. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure they knew. And, and, and so I said, it's just great to spoil them and send them home. They said, that's all we do. We just feed them sweet stuff and send them home and let them run around the house. But what a joy to be a father and be a grandfather and to be a pastor of this blessed church. Now, I've got some good news for you before... I start ministering here tonight. I got some good news for you. They're painting the walls over there. And, and they're laying floors in the offices. And the carpet's going to be laid Monday and Tuesday. I told you, we're going to make it. We're going to make it by December 20th. A promise given is a promise kept. And we're going to keep our promise. And unless the fire marshal gets in the way and says you can't do it, and then we'll have somebody hold him hostage, and we'll have church, and we'll turn him loose. No, we won't do that. That would be a, that'd be a crime. That really would. We wouldn't want to do a crime. Would you stand? You're incredible people, and I love you very, very much, and I'm very proud to be the pastor of this congregation, and I'm very proud to have you here on a Wednesday night. We've always done Wednesday nights well. I, I have missed our Wednesday nights together, and when we started doing first Wednesday nights coming back from the uh, pandemic, uh, people really enjoyed it. Now, the next three Wednesday nights this month, or is it four? Is it four more Wednesday nights this month? Yeah, be four more. The next four Wednesday nights will be online, and uh, we'll be sharing the gospel with you. And if you're in the area and you want to drop in, we love to have people to talk to because for five months we've talked to walls, and we, we uh, sowed seed in a, in a time of famine <laughs> because we was preaching the barren walls. But if you're in, in the area and you want to drop in, that's all right. It's just one of those optional things. You don't have to be here. It's not mandatory. And tonight's not mandatory, but you don't have to be here. But if you're in the area and you've eaten someplace around, you say, yeah, let's go spend an hour with the church. Come on by. And I promise you, you'll have us grinning from ear to ear. We really, really will. God bless all of you. Uh, I don't know if any of you like basketball or not, but the Texas Longhorn basketball team is 3-0. and Tom Herman needs to learn from them how to win football games. Now, we, we, did, we did a series. This series is so unique 
because we started it the first Wednesday of October, <laughs> and we preached the second lesson the first Wednesday of November, and now tonight we're concluding this series. I've never had a series that lasted three months that was just three messages long, <laughs> but we're doing it tonight. And so I'm going to speak tonight on the cost of permanence, the cost of permanence. And uh, we have been, we've been talking about seeing, the first week we talked about seeing what, how do you see yourself and how do you see the world and how do you see God. And you have to have the right vision in order to make steps in the kingdom. And then the next week we talked about stepping and how Elisha took steps. He spent 10 years in Gilgal, which was a place of cleansing. It takes a while to get yourself ready for this move and ready for the anointing. And then Elijah took him to Bethel because Elisha wouldn't separate himself from him. And Bethel is a recognition of God's presence in your life. And then he took him to Jericho, which was a place of victory. And Elisha saw the victory of what had happened to Joshua when they fought the battle of Jericho. And then, of course, the Jordan River was the last. That was the, that was the separation time. You have to separate yourself from the crowd and separate yourself from others that don't want the same anointing that you want on your life. Oh, we enjoyed that night a month ago, and so we talked about stepping forward. Tonight, we're going to speak about stability. We're going to talk about stability tonight. Everybody say the cost of permanence. Amen. Now, I'm going to read a little text here. It's going to be a little longer than a little text because I don't normally read a lot of text, but I want to read a few verses here. Joshua chapter 5 says, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Everybody say old corn. They got there, and there was corn waiting on them in the promised land. And the manna ceased. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan, that year. So God changed their diet. The cost of a permanent heaven is decided in an impermanent world. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out, not knowing whether he went. But by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She was 90, folks, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable." These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that there were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Everybody say, they could have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. That's some good word there, folks. I wish I'd have wrote that. That's some good stuff. Everybody say the cost of permanence. You may be seated. I won't be lengthy tonight, I promise. History records the life of a man named Hernan 
Hernan Cortez. He was a Spanish conquistador, and he was born in 1485. And at 19 years of age, he sailed for Hispaniola with Diego Velazquez, and they conquered Cuba. And he settled there until 1518, till he was 33 years old. And Velazquez then appointed him to lead an expedition to Mexico. And Cortez landed on the coast of Mexico with 700 men. And he knew that this could be a most dangerous mission that they had ever undertaken <clears throat> in their life. By not knowing exactly what they would find, uncertainty was really the most nerve-wracking thing that they faced. Would they find the Incas, the Inca Indians, to be fierce, ready to defend to the death? Or would they find wild animals ready to tear them apart limb from limb? Or would starvation threaten these mighty warriors? Cortez knew this one thing, that when he set out to conquer this new land, there would be obstacles to overcome. But the reward would be great. He also knew that there would be opportunities to turn around and go back to a safe land that they had already conquered, back to Cuba, a comfort zone. So Cortez knew that given the opportunity, many of the men of the 700 he had brought would be tempted to turn around when the battle heated up. So after each of these 700 warriors walked offshore or off, off their ships and made it to the shore, Cortez did something so out of bounds for a leader. He burned the ships that got them there in the harbor. He just struck a match and burnt those ships, burned them down, thereby committing the entire 700 men to survival through conquest only. It's the only way we're going to win is through conquest. Hernan Cortez secured his place in history that day when he burned all the ships. And as the man who conquered simply because he removed all opportunity they had to turn back, he made up his mind, I will either conquer this land or I will die trying. But I refuse to turn around and go back. Anybody have a forward march spirit in them tonight? Anybody ready this December year, 2020, to say, I'm not going back, I'm going forward? I'm going to conquer what God has placed in my life. Many of you here tonight may be in the fight of your life. And what some may not know is when the Israelites, the Israelites that came out of Egypt, came to the banks of the Jordan River, looking at the land of promise, and after 40 years of eating manna, and walking in shoes that didn't wear out, and clothes that never got old, and a rock that furnished water, and a, and a cloud that covered the sun by day and a pillar of fire that kept them warm by night. And when they got to the banks of the river, two and a half tribes, folks, some may not know this, decided not to go into the land of promise. Two and a half tribes. The tribe of Reuben, the oldest. The tribe of Gad. And half the tribe of Manasseh, one of Joseph's sons, decided to stay on the wilderness side of the Jordan. Two and a half tribes said, we don't want to go in and pay the price of having to conquer the fierceness that's in that land. We know it flows with milk and honey. And we know there's wells that we didn't dig and houses we didn't build and vineyards we didn't plant there, but we don't want to go in. We're, we're cattlemen. We'll just stay on this side. But nine and a half said, we will go in and we will conquer 
And I know that there is a percentage in every congregation, in every audience that a man preaches to and a pastor proclaims a gospel to, that sometimes when the resistance gets a little tough, it's turnaround time. It's time to say, you know, I don't know if I want it that bad or not. But sometimes you have to understand that when you go into a land of promise, it's not hammock time. It's not enjoy our inheritance time. You'll have to pick up a sword. You'll have to fight an enemy that does not want to surrender the territory that God has promised to you. I sense in my spirit tonight that many people are asking, what does this Christian life, Pastor Rex, consist of? Really, what's it about? What you're going to preach tonight, is it really worth it? Maybe I should just quit this dreaming about having something successful in the kingdom of God and go back to a life of ease and complacency. I got an idea. Why don't you strike a match and burn your ships right now and remove all opportunity you have to go back from where you came out of? Because I promise you there's a heaven waiting on us that's greater than any world that we've ever come out of. And this preacher still believes that there's a heaven that's waiting for the saved, I know. And the old song said, if it costs much money, I couldn't afford to go. But whosoever will is welcome, you see. And I got a feeling it might as well be me. Why don't we just determine tonight, right now, that heaven is my destination? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to a city where the Lamb is the light. I'm going to the city where there cometh no night. I'm going there someday, whenever that is. Numbers chapter 33 says it this way, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Watch these, what he said, When they have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan. God did not say, If you cross the Jordan. He said, when you cross the Jordan. Most Christians have only one crossing in them. They'll cross the Red Sea because it's a wide open dry space and an enemy's coming after you. You better get out of there. And there's a man of God in front of you that's holding a rod in his hand saying, come on, let's go. And you get to the other side and you watch that sea come back and destroy the thing that's tried to destroy you all your life. And you'll come out of that. But many people balk at the Jordan because the Jordan is not waiting on somebody to hold a rod out and it parts. It's waiting for somebody to have enough faith to put their foot in it. In a rushing river at harvest time when it's overflowing its banks and you've got the ability and the faith to step in that water and say, I'm going to cross into the land of promise. See, God has brought us to this point and God has brought us here But now it's an individual thing. Now we have to say, I will put my foot in the water. And I will step into a land called promise. And I'm going to receive the blessings and the favors that God has for my family. That God has for my future. And that God has for my life. Somebody say amen to that. It takes really determination to say, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back. I'm going on to where God has me to go in the kingdom of God. I'll just say, I'll just stay in the wilderness, Pastor. Thanks. Many have settled for the mediocre. 
in the place of the good and the better and the best. But see, God's not through. Yes, the ites. We'll talk about them a little later. Are still in the land of promise. And when you get there, it's going to be some battles. But there's also milk and honey there. It's a place that God has promised us. And anything worth having is worth fighting for. Now let me continue Numbers chapter 33, verse 52. Then you shall drive out, God said, all the inhabitants of the land from before you. And you destroy all the engraved stones. And you'll destroy all the molded images. And demolish all the high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it. For I have given you the land to possess. Can I just stop and say that God has promised this congregation a huge revival in the end time. And I believe this will be a preaching point of Austin, Texas. And a preaching point of Texas. And a preaching point of North America. And God is establishing something in our spirits right now. And he's building us something in the time of pandemic next door to take our traits and to take our, our houses and to take our spirits into. And God said, if you'll preach this gospel to people, I will bring people to hear the gospel all the days of your life. And we're going to see a revival. Somebody help me preach this right now. A revival, a blessing, a glorious healing time, a blessing for the church of the living God. Say amen to that. On the other hand, God also said, I'll be with you. You'll overcome. Remember, covenants have conditions. And the condition is you will have to do your part and you will have to fight. And you'll be in a thing called spiritual warfare and you can't turn around. In essence, God is saying, when you get to where I want to place you, burn your ships. Hang in there. The victory is yours. And if you just keep advancing forward. Pastor, things seem right now like they're falling apart in my world because of this pandemic and because of loss of job and because I've been furloughed and because of all the things that are happening. That I'm going to die in this battle. But I promise you, you're getting ready to be propelled into a realm of the Spirit like you've never experienced before if you just stay in the battle. Amen. One of my heroes of life is a man named Chuck Yeager. He was the first man to ever break the sound barrier in an aircraft. Planes like the British Meteor Jets that approach the speed of sound 760 miles per hour at sea level and 660 miles per hour at 40,000 feet. They had encountered severe buffetings of the controls when they neared this Mach speed. And at that time, no one knew for sure whether an airplane would exceed Mach 1 speed of sound. And the U.S. Army was determined to find out first. And so the Army had developed a small bullet-shaped aircraft. It was called the Bell X-1 to challenge the sound barrier. And a civilian pilot, this is found in a book called The Right Stuff, named Slick Goodland, had taken the Bell X-1 to point seven Mach when Chuck Yeager started to fly it. And Chuck pushed the small plane up to point eight Mach and then point eight five and then to point nine Mach, almost there. But he had backed off when the plane began to shake uncontrollably. But on October 14th, 1947, my, 
my little boy, grandbaby boy's birthday, Windsor, 1947, not 47, but <laughs> was set for the attempt to do Mach 1. I've got a sound breaker. I've got a, 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 a breaker of, of, of Mach 1 in my family named Windsor. And as he approached Mach 1, the plane began to shake, began to rattle and buffet from side to side so much that he was not sure that he would not explode in midair and lose his life. But on that day, Chuck Yeager said, I refuse to turn back now. And if I die, I will die trying, but I am not going to back down anymore. I've been close before, but no matter what happens today, I'm going for it. And with that, he shoved the controls forward and headed for that sonic wall. <laughs> not where you get sonic meals, but the sonic wall. In the account of this momentous event recorded in the book, The Right Stuff, the author says the X-1 went through the sonic wall without so much as a bump at the speed topped out at Mach 1.05. Jaeger had the sensation, he writes, of shooting straight through the top of the sky. The sky turned a deep purple, and all at once the stars and the moon came out, and the sun shone at the same time, and he was simply looking into space. He said, I was the master of the sky that day. His was the king's solitude, unique and inviolate above the dome of the world. And Chuck Yeager achieved a level no one had ever reached simply because he refused to turn around and go back. And I'm telling somebody here tonight, it may feel like your world is shaking and rattling and tossing to and fro. But I'm telling you, no matter what is going on around you, don't turn around now. You're on the verge. This church is on the verge of a new experience that will bring you higher and greater things than you've ever known before. You just can't stop now. You can't stop now. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep pushing. You gotta keep believing. You've got to trust God. If God said it, you've got to believe it. I really want to preach tonight, but I don't want to out-preach my audience. I want to say some things tonight. There's things that's going to happen in your world you've never experienced before. Get ready. Just don't go back. Hell shows up when you push forward, but don't turn back because victory's ahead of you. Oh, there's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough, but victory's already promised when you cross the Jordan. If we just won't turn back. I love what Paul said in Corinthians chapter 4. We're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, and we're cast down, but what? Not destroyed. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, it didn't say if I fall, when I fall, I will arise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. I want you in the house that's watching online tonight to get a hold of this. I want you to stand up. And clap your hands when I'm preaching about what I'm about to preach. Because God's got something for this congregation. 
And some of you have not been able to be back because of this COVID, and I respect that very much. And some that's listening next door in the overflow room, I respect you being over there. But wherever you are listening, and if you're on the road and you're listening on your iPhone, wherever you are, I want you to listen to me. God's got so much more for us than we could ever imagine. Hallelujah. He's got so much more for us. He has not begun to give the revival to us that he's promised to us. In the last days, he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on your handmaids, on your servants, on your sons, on your daughters. I'm going to pour it out. We may be shaken, but we're not destroyed. We are entering to a realm of anointing like we've never known before. I asked God to let the 60s be my greatest decade. And God tapped me on the shoulder the other day and he said, the 70s are going to be all right too, son. You listen to me. This thing is in his hands. He is the God. He controls the universe. He sets men up and he puts men down. He raises kingdoms and he puts kingdoms down. He raises up congregations and he puts people that don't trust him down. But as for me and my house, we're going to trust him. We're going to burn our ships and we're going to go forward. In the name of the Lord. Patty Joyce, say amen to me out at my daughter's house. Say amen right now. One of the biggest problems that we have as Christians is that we act on what we feel instead of what we know. We really do. I've got news for you today. You're not always going to feel like living for God. You're not going to always feel like going to church. You're not going to always feel like praising the Lord and singing in the sanctuary. Sometimes you're going to feel like picking up the bottle again. You're going to feel like repeating that drug thing again. Throwing your hands up in the air in frustration and giving up in the heat of battle and said, I'm going back to Cuba. Get me on my boat. Returning to the weak and beggarly elements of the world, but we must learn to live for God because of what we know, not what we feel. We only went to work on the days we felt like it. We'd all be fired before the end of the month. We don't always feel like going to work. Amen? We don't, all, we don't, we don't know, uh, but we do know that if we don't, bills won't get paid. We'll lose our home and our car, so we go in spite of how we feel. We only married to our spouse on the days that we feel like being married to him or her. We'd be in divorce court one day, and the justice of the peace officer the next day getting remarried. That's how it'd be. We don't always feel like being married to that person, but deep down inside, we love them, and we know that we couldn't live without them, so we wait out the argument because we know that the feelings of anger and the feelings of hurt will pass. And love will return. And we don't live our lives in the natural based on what we feel. So why should we live our lives that way in the spiritual? Come on. We need to move past the feeling stage to the knowing stage. Job had boils on him. He was in an ash heap. His kids were all gone. His wife was cursing him. And he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Can you say that in your most downtime? 
Can you lift your hands and say he's alive? It's not how you feel. It's what you know that matters. Second Corinthians said, for we walk not, we walk by faith and not by sight. Say we walk by faith. We need to burn ships that will take us back to the old lifestyle and make a commitment today that no matter how I feel, it's not it's not, well, I, I don't have enough money in the bank, or no matter how great the pain, or no matter how much trouble I have right now, or how the, hard the battle might be not right now, I will not, I shall not give up. Amen. Give up. You're on the verge of a great anointing. I've said that five or six times because I wrote it in my notes five or six times. Amen. Say, I won't turn back. I'm in this for the long haul. And I'm going to remove... All provisions, All provisions to turn back. See, the problem with many people is that they give up too soon. My dad always said, it's always too soon to quit. That's daddy's line. And I, I finally figured it out when I was old enough to figure it out. I'm not going to tell you how old I was. <laughs> right on the verge of a miracle, they turn around and go back. Now I'm getting to a little, little, little teaching part of this, of this message, and I'm, I'm going to be through in just about another five, six minutes. Joshua chapter 24 said, It came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. That'd be a good age, wouldn't it? Be older than Colonel Sanders. Invent some more chicken. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance. Say border of his inheritance. In Timnath Sarah, which is in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. That's where they buried him. Many people get right to the border of their inheritance. And that's where they die. Not physically, but spiritually. They're buried before they can ever step foot on the land that God has promised them. I don't want to go down in history as an almost. Or a used to be. Or a maybe. There's a word used in medieval, medieval uh, European terms. It's called March. M-A-R-C-H. It's a territorial entity. In broad terms, it's any kind of borderland as opposed to the notional heartland. More specifically, a march was a border between realms or a natural buffer zone under joint control of two states like something between Texas and Oklahoma in which different laws might apply. Borderland, a land between two rival countries, both are reaching for the loyalty of the populace that inhabit the in-between country. That's what borderland is. Can I preach a little bit? Can I teach a little bit? The worst place you could ever die would be in the borderland. The worst place you could ever bury your promise is in the borderland because there's two entities pulling at you. You need to make up your mind. And a made-up mind is the devil's panic button. He can't handle a made-up mind. He can't handle it. When you are determined and you have made up your mind, this is what I will do. Hell says... I need to go find somebody else to pick on. You just don't need to die in between two countries. 
If you die, be dying reaching for the one that we're looking for. Not trying to stay in both worlds. Joshua was buried in the borderland of his inheritance. Paul was witnessing to King Agrippa. Randy, if you'll come and help me. And as Paul stood before this great man, whose father incidentally had slain James and had prisoned Peter and was going to kill him after Easter in Acts chapter 12. His words rang with such authority and power that King Agrippa, I imagine with white knuckles gripping the sides of his throne, fighting conviction, said in Acts 26, 28, almost, you persuade me to be a Christian. Well, those are tough words, aren't they? Almost. Agrippa almost entered into salvation. He almost defied the sins of his father and gave his heart to his God. But in my mind, I can see him briefly looking back and realizing what he would have to give up. His position, his family, his friends, his wealth possibly. And decided it was just not worth it to me to have to give all this to inherit salvation. What he didn't know, he didn't have to. God could have let him be a leader to bring his family to the Lord. And so as he boarded his ship to sail back to a life of comfort and ease, he cries out, almost, I inherited the greatest gift known to mankind. Almost, I entered into a peace like I have never known. Almost, I was saved. But looking back, I found an opportunity to go back to what was familiar, what was easy, and what was less of a struggle. Agrippa, you should have burned your ships, buddy. You should have cut off all means of going back. I'm closing tonight, and I'm asking if there is anyone who wants to take some territory in 2021. But if you're going to take that territory, you got to burn some ships. You can't be up and down and in and out. I love the little old lady that died and they, she had written her funeral thing. She wanted the preacher to say, and the preacher said, she said, when I lived for God, there was a lot of highs and lows, but never any ins and outs. I never quit. I had some highs, I had some lows, but I never was out. I was always in. That's where you got to live. You got to live taking territory and understanding that God's for you. Now, this is, this is kind of cute. I thought I'd share it with you so you can smile before you go home. Amish cemeteries are very unique. They bury people, some of them half in and half out of the cemetery. There's a line of the cemetery line. So in other words, the head is in and perhaps the feet are outside the cemetery. The reason they're just enough Christian so people could not say they're entirely heathen. Or they're just enough heathen so people could not say they're entirely Christian. Close enough so you could not say they were lost and far enough away that you could not declare that they were saved. It's called borderland. Borderland. 
I preached a message about Borderland years ago. And I made up my mind I was not going to be buried in Borderland. I'm of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to praise him in spite of the storm. I'm of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to plow when the ground is fallow. I'm going to plow. I'm going to break up the fallow ground. I'm of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to seek the lion of the tribe of Judah who became the lamb and died for me. I identify with him because he came to rescue me. And I'm not going to have my head in this thing and my feet out. Or my feet in and my head out. I'm going to live for him. I've made up my mind. I'm going to burn everything behind me and I'm going on. Let's do that in 2021. Let's make that pledge. Let's make that vow to God. The Bible said, let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify God which is in heaven. See, I'd hate to see anyone in this church be buried in the border of their inheritance. I hate to see anyone in this church miss out on what God has for you because you gave up too soon. And I'd hate to see anyone in this church become an almost. Would you stand? God has taken us into a realm we have never occupied before. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He's doing that just physically, folks. We've never been in a building like we're going to move into in three weeks. We've never had the opportunity to seize a city like God has given us in this hour. And Satan don't want us to do it. But if we'll just make a commitment to ride out the situation no matter what happens. Everybody say, victory, victory. Is, ours. is ours. So I ask you tonight, anybody want to burn a ship? There's a cost for permanence. And when you go home, I want you to study this. This is not my note. This is, I'm going to just kind of give you this and close it. I told you about the ites. There were seven ites in Canaan. The Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites. Well, they were something. That's a mouthful. The Amorites and the Jebusites. And every one of these have Hebrew names. The Hittites mean a spirit of fear. The Hivites mean a spirit of compromise and deception. The Perizzites mean immorality. The Canaanites mean materialism, a spirit of materialism. And the Girgashites mean a spirit of double-mindedness. And the Amorites is a spirit of pride. And the Jebusites is a spirit of depression. That's about everything that's going to hit you in this land. That's about all that's going to hit you. I can't think of anything else hell like throw at you. That's about enough, isn't it? But I want you to go home tonight, and I want you to read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 2. Because we're created. Ever say, we're created in the image of God. And in Isaiah chapter 11 and 2, the Bible said, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord. So if it rests on him, it rests on us. And the Spirit of wisdom, say the Spirit of wisdom. And understanding, and the spirit of counsel, and might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Seven spirits, seven ites. God didn't undercreate us, He created us with just enough. He said, I can give you a spirit for everything that comes against you. I'm going to give you power over anything that wants to prevail against you. Come on, we can take this land. Come on, we can take this land. 
seven spirits of God to, to baptize and destroy seven spirits of hell. Come on, clap your hands and say, I'm on the Lord's team. I'm on the Lord's team. I'm on the Lord's team. The cost of permanence is just saying, I'm going on. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Now, we took communion last Tuesday, and it seems kind of redundant to take it again, but Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it remember to me. And so you online, get you a cracker and get you some juice. Don't get, don't get no Texas toast. We're going to take communion. And I think, I really think that we need to take this communion tonight with victory. With a shout of victory. Amen. We belong to Jesus. And victory belongs to the people that belong to Jesus. So receive his body that was broken for you in the name of the Lord. Receive it to yourself right now. Amen. 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 And now take the fruit of the vine. Take it. Jesus said, this is my blood which was shed for you. This is so precious to me. I was healed as an infant. I was healed from a tragedy. I was healed from the loss of a brother. I have been healed so many times in my life. With his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Anybody ever been healed? Yes. <laughs> and we're also saved by that blood. Anybody been saved? Anybody been water baptized? Anybody love Jesus tonight? Let's receive this in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory. I went three minutes over. Communion took the other three. And I don't apologize. I want you to lift your hands in the air. We're going to close with a beautiful chorus, and we're going to dismiss and go home. And we'll see you Sunday, 9, 10, 30, and noon. Let's sing, guys. Let's sing. Sing it. seven of the beautiful spirits of God in our lives we were made in his image but he also gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost you shall receive power you got more than hell can ever throw against you because you've got him I love you have a good night if anybody wants to see the building next door I do have a key I love you have a great night go home be safe 
Sing it, kids. Oh.